to the 100th episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Episode 100. It's been quite a journey. We started this podcast in 2019 in the fall. Danielle and I, I came back from a Tom Ferry summit in the summer of 2019. I told Danielle, things are going to be different. What's going to be different? Well, several things. We did a lot of, uh, we, we've gone into a lot of new uh, uh, projects, but the podcast platform was essentially one of the goals of my uh, journey of being a, a real estate professional. The reason why I started the podcast essentially was, well, one and two bolts. One, selfishly, I want to sit in front of interesting people and talk about not just how we close deals, but how they close deals or how they got into the business or what are the issues of the industry? What are the problems? Where are the growth factors in the industry? Um, not just about markets, but what about tech? What about law? What about the housing crisis that we're facing in New York City? I mean, real estate essentially is a multifaceted, multi-layered business that some people may just look at the reality television aspect of it, but there's also a, a significantly deep financial aspect of it, legal aspect of it, political as aspect of it, which I am all interested in. So going back to my first reason of why I started the podcast was so that I can put myself in front of interesting people. And then number two, it's an education platform. I'm not really here to make money on the podcast. Does it give me credibility with an industry? Sure, why not? But that's fine. But I, I really want to give more of an educational perspective. As a business owner, life is all about education and how much can you learn along the way of being in the business. And sure, Danielle and I can do deals. So what, what did 1.5% ranked nationally in the United States last year? We're probably one of the top 10 to 20% of real estate agents that in terms of production in, on a national scale at Compass. So we know how to do deals. We can sell homes. So that's not really a problem for us. In fact, I think that, you know, you can probably do a board package in the financial system with your eyes closed, with your hands taped behind your back at this stage. If there was a Olympics of boardpackager.com, we will probably come in number one. If you think you can beat us, come talk to me. We'll, we can compare our, uh, our notes. Outside of that, though, I humbly, humbly am coming to uh, this podcast space to engage and speak with the professionals in our industry that inspire me and also makes me proud that I'm actually in such a complex, also very competitive industry. So on this episode, I briefly want to talk about some of the guests, my lessons from those guests. And unfortunately, I won't be able to go through everybody, but some of the highlights of the earlier episodes will be my focus since most people stop scrolling after, you know, maybe six months worth of episodes. So I want to go back and re-dig up some of my old guests, the earlier guests that actually believed in me and even agreed to come on even when I had no presence and the podcast had no presence. Before we do that, a quick introduction. Danielle, happy 2024. How was your New Year event? Been great so far. In Killington? I did. I got to ski already this year, so. You shred the mountain? Pretty much. Good. Are you going to go to uh, and go on any other trips? I'm hopefully going to get back on the mountain two more times this year. Good. Two is good. Yeah, we'll see that. Well, two more times, so a couple more days each. Yeah. Okay, great. And today we have brand new teammate on board, Alice. Welcome. Just give me a quick introduction of where you're, uh, let's say, where, uh, where are you from, what you're studying, and what are you? Oh, my name is Alice. I'm from South Korea. I go to New York University, and I'm studying real estate development. Welcome. And of course, I also have Ying here. Ying, uh, tell me what, what you're studying and uh, where you're off to soon. Hi, my name is Ying. I go to Baruch. I'm a four, fourth year student now and I'm studying marketing. Hopefully I can find a job right out of grad, right out of college. 
So yeah, I'm just on a job hunt right now. Yep. <laughs> nice. Early 20s is the best. So let's get started. I want to talk about some of the earliest episodes that we did. I'm kind of I'm going to kind of bunch them together in in groups of agents and staff engineering uh, in specific categories. So where I wanted to start was back in September 2019. My first actual in-person real estate guest was the founder of Denver, Colorado, Jessica Northrop, and her partner, Jade Wells. I flew into Denver that winter to meet with Jessica in our newly opened office. I actually didn't know anybody then. And I have a, a special place in my heart for Colorado, primarily because I, I have a lot of friends that live there. They live in Denver, they live in Aspen, Vail, they live in Breckenridge, across the ski resorts of Colorado. And I thought, you know, it'd be a good thing to know someone like Jessica, just to see how business is done in Denver. So. I want to give a shout out to Jessica for being a, a guest that obviously trusted this podcast platform. Uh, she didn't know who I was and also was generous enough to really to share uh, her time with me. Jessica is a top 1% agent in, in Denver. And I think she's also independently one of the most successful in terms of volumes and transactions for a small team or individual team. She sells the most. She's very busy and she was able to come in and give me some guidance and content. So I really am honored to have her. Funny fact about Jessica, I was telling you about this earlier, but Jessica, she's one of five sisters. Now, what brings this to my attention? Why does this bring to my attention? Well, my other good friend who's been on my podcast episodes about three times or four times, I think it's on, on some episodes, he'll like come in and like talk for 10 seconds and leave. Lady uh, Meyer, <laughs> Lady Meyer uh, one, of the, one of our founders in Florida, Miami. He is one of, uh, I believe, Han siblings, big families. There's a lot. Yeah. We also have a lot of real estate agents that come from big families. Let's see. Frank Giordano, he's one of one out of five brothers. And he's got two, well, he's got two twin brothers and two twin sisters. That's right. So that's pretty great. That's pretty cool. When you grow up in, in a, it's not really about the college education, right? It's about life education in real estate. You have to be able to deal with human beings in a matter that is pleasant. It, it, obviously, buying a house is a stressful process. But how do you decouple the stress factor really determines your skill in navigating the purchase process of real estate. So, I mean, in your opinion, I mean, I mean, you, you, you come from a, you have a sibling, you have one, have one sibling. One sibling. Yeah. Do you think growing up in a household with siblings or a sibling or with siblings translates into becoming a good real estate agent? I think so. I think especially for the the two people you mentioned who grew up with a lot of siblings, you probably have to learn very quickly how to navigate multiple different types of personalities from a young age. That's right. And whenever you're dealing with any client, buyer, or seller in real estate, you're dealing with all sorts of different individuals. Yeah. So um, in order to be able to navigate that, you know, it's just something that's inherent to who they are. I mean, Jessica has the amount of siblings. And now it seems like all of her siblings have seen them in others. So she's got like you know, a ton of people to to navigate and deal with. So that's the same thing you do day to day in real estate. That's right. That's right. You're navigating through dozens of different types of relationships and tendencies and yeah, political climates within your household. Yeah. Yes. And that kind of that does translate very well into real estate. Keeping the peace. I mean, Levy probably grew up negotiating the cookie jar to your dessert to whatever you're doing as a kid in the household, you're negotiating. Right. So uh, they get more video game time. They get more outside time. He got this, she got that. And uh, that, I guess, translates well into adulthood. 
in the, in the real world world when you're conducting business. So shout out to Levy, Meyer, and Jessica Northup both for believing in the podcast platform early. Uh, those were my, my takeaways. My other takeaway with Jessica is, you know, you take risks. She's been in the business since she was eight, 17 or 18 years old, I believe. You know, you take risks, trust the process, uh, be consistent for a long time. Some people think it's just like you know, the 10,000 hour or the, uh, you know, I, I did it for, f- for four or five years and now I'm going to switch because that's what other people are doing. Well, in our business, we're small business owners. We're not staff. We're not W-2 uh, employees at a company. For us, a long term is really, you know, 10, 20, 30 years being in the business. And and that's kind of the uh, the risk that Jess, uh, Jessica took earlier in her, her career as a teenager. And now she's, you know, top uh, 1% of, of Denver. Admire her a lot. Um, so that's the takeaway. Real estate agents that come from large families with lots of siblings tend to be successful. Now, my other takeaway is, and what, what I've noticed and realized is, uh, you met Laura Mitrick-Wood from Chicago. Laura is a founding agent in Chicago. She's actually closed on two of my friends in Chicago. She is from a real estate family. And this is not like, but the dad is a developer or mom is a mom is a uh, house flipper. They were all a real estate agent family. So Laura's family, uh, her second cousin is a broker on her team currently. Her mom and dad are currently on their team, wow. which is interesting. Her <laughs> grandmother was a broker and her aunt is also a broker in Hawaii, as well as her daughter, which would be her first cousin, uh, all real estate agents in Hawaii. Her dad and her grandmother's boss introduced their daughter to her mother, which is now Laura's dad, who is on their team. So there's a lot of, it's a family affair. It's not very corporate. You're kind of working within your hemisphere and you, you thrive in your own community. And sometimes you end up marrying that, pe- that, that people or having that people work on your team. So don't just forget that Laura's husband, Charlie, is also a real estate agent on her team. Yeah. Real estate families. It's in the family. I mean, Rob's mom. That's right. Right. That's how we got into it. Rob helped pay for Columbia by selling homes with Robert's mom as part of the process of how he learned to become a real estate agent or how to learn the business of real estate is uh, partially because of her mom. I mean, this is a real estate can be a family affair. I'll I'll give you another example. Uh, Lana and Franklin from Nashville, Tennessee, they're one of the first agents. You know, I mean, they're one of the founders. So I mean, they've done a ton of deals, but brought in a big presence in Nashville for, uh, for our market there. Franklin also, I think, has like seven or eight all-female junior agents that work on his team. So he's like the only guy in like a 10-person <laughs> team. The rest are girls. Uh, but yeah, family in, in short is an extremely important part of being in the re- real estate business. And uh, those two factors can really determine if you're immensely successful or not. I have two siblings and I grew up negotiating and fighting and Maybe it does translate into, you know, in, into the, in the world of real estate. Okay. So that's that uh, episode four and five. I, my first tech guests were Zvi Band and Tony Kappert. Zvi and Tony were the founders of a CRM platform that we still use today. They're founders of a company called Contextually. A CRM is a huge part of our tech platform right now. And Zvi and Tony, as the founders of Contextually, when we, when Compass bought Contextually, they came into our office in DC and I got to meet them in person and we talked about the acquisition process, we talked about the tech platform, we talked about the importance of CRM. My takeaway from that episode, which I really thought was interesting, was when Contactually started, their aim was to target small business. So they wanted to target the local dentist, the optometrist, the local restaurant, the local deli, uh, the local accountant. What small business needs CRM that is not a Rolodex 
of index cards on their desk, right? How can we digitize that? So their lesson is that in reality, there are more brokers than small businesses uh, that they were initially focused on. There are about 2 million real estate agents in the United States. How many small businesses are in the DTC metro Virginia area? I'm sure there's a lot, but real estate agents were just much easier to get them on the platform. So uh, they were told that they're going to fail multiple times and managed to make it through the acquisition, which was eventually Compass. So congrats to them. They're obviously onto other ventures in their life, but I appreciate them coming on. My first staff engineer on Compass, right? Why didn't I want to start this podcast? Well, I wanted to talk about engineering, but I realized that engineering, you kind of need to be able to speak the language and also have interesting conversations where the target audience, which essentially are non-engineers on my platform, at least, uh, can uh, can understand like what exactly engineering is. But our, our good friend of the, of the podcast, my good friend in even in life to present day, Brian Renzenbrink, uh, was a kind enough to share some time talking about his position as an engineering manager and DevOps. I'm not going to talk too much about what he talked about, but I, but essentially just for the audience, what DevOps are is essentially he, they are a bridge between the development and the operations team in a software development world. So imagine a software development proce- process as the factory line and then the software development process of factory assembly line. And then the developers design and code the software, like building a car chassis or a car frame. And then the operation team then deploys and maintains the software in a production, like painting and uh, quality control. So traditionally, these teams worked somewhat independently within each other, which led to bottlenecks and inefficiency. DevOps engineers come in and to break down these uh, silos to create more collaborative workflow. What they also do is they do security. So if we have an Amazon uh, server in the East Coast, uh, we need to protect the data in the East Coast. We also have Amazon servers in the West Coast, and we need to protect our data, our code, lines of code uh, on the West Coast. So if the East Coast goes down for some reason, our data is safe on the West Coast servers, vice versa. If the West Coast goes down for some reason, uh, then our East Coast data is protected. I think we also have some Amazon silos in like Arizona somewhere. In any event, our tech is protected in the event that there is something that happens where let's just the power goes out, there's a tsunami or there's a data breach, our software is still safe and backed up elsewhere. Part of what Brian does is uh, is exactly that. You like Brian? Love Brian. One of the best. What do you want to say about him? Well, we miss him. So I wish he was still in this office. <laughs> I know. We don't get to see him enough anymore. I know. One of the best things about Compass is the staff, right? The staff makes it special. Someone like Brian, you know, wouldn't, would never work at another real estate firm. I don't think. He doesn't know. I don't think so. Some of the earlier other episodes, I liked Naomi Klein. She was great. Do you remember Naomi? So Naomi talked about the great the gradient in LA. So if you're selling a house and the buyer has a Ferrari, the Ferraris can safe, safely navigate driveways with an incline of up to 10 degrees. So if the driveway has a 15 degree incline, that Ferrari is probably not going to go down from the main street into your house. Some interesting things. She also does a lot of athletes, celebrities. She's got that Malibu swagger, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, she, she, she could be on a TV show. She could be on Selling Sunset, I think. But like, She's too good for them. She's too good. Yeah, for, yeah she's, she's too classy for that. But she could be on, on a show like that and do very well. My other shout-outs, Aspen, Colorado, one of my favorite towns in America. I have the one of the founding agents of Compass Aspen at uh, Lane Johnson, he is still kind of a mayor there, and I can only see him getting bigger in the future. Lane is an ex-college or ex-high school football star, turned into a 
just an all-around southern boy that went to college charleston and moved into aspen because of his love of uh, love of the mountain and i feel like having gone to aspen many times it's a town where people that love the outdoors love the skiing life but also they love people or they love human beings they're very social these not the people that live in aspen and if you're a hard worker and you're social and you enjoy the snow and the mountain life and you want to work hard and not get too carried away from the other noise right there's a lot of noise in Vail. there's a lot of noise in crested butte and what is that noise do you know no, can you I've guess i've never been to any of these places well the noise is oh even killington is the same too there's a lot of noise if you live in killington the noise is just the party scene. people go to really vacation there if you live in the town like Aspen, sometimes you might get lost in the sauce. Too many parties to visit, too much drinking, too many nights out with clients, quote unquote, or friends or people that come visit. I mean, it's just, it's endless, right? The, the expensive dinners and the alcohol and the parties and the events and back to back to back every weekend. It's a, it's a, it's a vacation town in the winter, right? The people come from all over the world to vacation there. So if you can tune that out and focus on your business, focus on your Love for the outdoors, I think you'll do very well there. And Lane has navigated that successfully along with Brittany. Let's see. My takeaways from the mountain. Everybody has a real estate license. From the ski instructor to the taxi driver to the bartender, everyone has a real estate license. But in a town full of people and mountain lovers, if you can stay away from the noise and work hard, you can do fairly well. You can go a long way. Just got to be consistent. All right. And then I've had Andrew Georges on a couple of times. Andrew is our attorney, our go-to attorney. He doesn't, do, doesn't close all of our deals, but he probably closes a couple dozen a year for us. Andrew has been consistent, extremely diligent, detail-oriented, patient, calm. And he's also, throughout the years, had a couple uh, different transitions in terms of his management and bosses. And now he's uh, partnered up as a partner at a law firm. We'll bring him on again and his new partner on in one of the... the upcoming episodes, but I really like Andrew and I really enjoy uh, working with him. You know, what do you think about him? Well, we love Andrew. We've known him for so long now. Um, it's nice to work with someone who's really reliable Right. to have our go-to mm-hmm. attorney that we know we can count on mm-hmm. and that we know is going to get the job done. Right. And, and he's also a great friend. Yeah. He was at my birthday party. He forgot his credit card up at the bar. You can't ask for a better guy. My other, some of my other shout outs that, in, again, I could keep going on and on for this, but during COVID, the shutdown, we had a couple episodes. Jillian Adler, she's one of the founders of Bro, uh, Boston. She actually closed two homes of a friend of mine. Uh, just closed, a friend of mine actually closed on her second home. She was at an MIT graduate there. Uh, that's great. So shout out to Jillian Adler. Uh, Ari Offshar, the legend of LA. He's one of the founding agents of Los Angeles. A, an enormously successful real estate agent. If you're, if you're a listener and you're watching these reality TV shows out in LA, don't stop what you're doing. Cut out the noise and just listen to episode 27. Ari is a genius in his own way and is hasn't been as successful consistently and probably outperforms any other agent in that show, in that TV show. Uh, number 28, Widler Brothers. I, I'm going to keep it short here, but Hans and Steve are brothers that grew up in New York City. The mother still lives in the Upper West Side, by the way. Uh, speaking of family business, the Wilder brothers uh, are a team that dominates the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. And they actually sold my family's home in Fairfax, Virginia. The 
Wilder brothers are packed full of knowledge, immensely humble, but successful. And uh, they're just really informative guys. That One of them went to Harvard. One of them went to Yale. One of them has a bartender's license. The other one has his law license. He was a lawyer for like AOL at one point. It, very interesting and immensely successful backgrounds that I uh, respect enormously. So that's one of my favorite episodes. Who else? Oh, I was just at the new restaurant in Fort Greene called Sailor. Have you heard of Sailor yet? I have. Uh, have you? It was just you. <laughs> top five restaurants of the year in the uh, New York Times. How was it? Fantastic. So Gabriel Stolman is a restaurateur. We're big fans of his establishments. During COVID, he had to close a bunch of restaurants, but he still has some of the top restaurants that he may have heard of in the West Village open, plus a brand new one called Sailor that just opened in Fort Greene. Fantastic food. It's American, American and American Italian. Excellent wine wine selection. Great menu prices. Yeah. Everything, everything in New York City is so like luxe, right? Everything is so overpriced and expensive. Uh, this place is not, which is great. And Gabe himself is actually running the floors. So he's doing the dishes and serving the wine and, and cleaning up the tables. I mean, he's, he's getting his hands dirty. So it's great to see that. Gabriel Stolman, episode 33. He's been a guest on my podcast as well. We discussed the rest, the New York City restaurants, um, just, just the tough world that they had to endure in 2020. He essentially fired 70 or 80% of the staff plus closed down probably almost a dozen of his restaurants. So uh, an extremely tough time that really honorably he shared uh, uh, time with us to be on the podcast. So especially on a really difficult time like that. Uh, episode 34, one of my favorites, Amir Karengi. Amir, many of you may not know, but Amir is the founder of a publication called The Real Deal. The Real Deal is an industry publication. They are the leading source of news for uh, real estate material or real estate related news. Amir has essentially just lived during COVID in the city, documenting and seeing and living through the transformation of Manhattan while a lot of people, even brokers included. I mean, I, I left for a period of time as well, uh, but a lot of people essentially moved out. So Amir, uh, thank you for coming on the show and uh, being a great guest. And I hope you come back on one day. I had Daisy Dolan twice. Do you remember Daisy? Yeah, of course. She's great. I think she still lives in Williamsburg. Daisy's interesting. She's uh, one of the most successful strategic growth managers. Do you know what she does? I'm, does she still work here? She's not anymore. Oh, I don't know what she does now, but... No, but do you know what she did? She recruits agents. Yeah. Tries to bring on new agents, top producers elsewhere at other brokerages, and uh, convince them to join Compass. That's right. And she was, right, like the top recruiter and yeah. set records and brought in the most agents in yeah. Brooklyn like in like 2019 and 2020. Uh, one of the most listened episodes of Daisy uh, uh, Daisy Dolan is actually one of the, the most downloaded streamed episodes. So highly recommend listeners to check that out. Episode 54 was David Snyder. He was actually part of the founding team of Compass and uh, extremely talented guy, very smart guy. He left Compass. He was Compass's CFO and a co-COO or he was a COO. Uh, he left to start his own tech firm or uh, financial venture called Harness Wealth, who I am a client of today. If you want to learn more about Harness Wealth and David's accomplishments, to go ahead and check out episode 54 because he is phenomenal, immensely talented. Guy Oberg, founder of Austin. Guy is just a true Texan cowboy, almost seven feet tall. His wife, Morgan, is the best. Shout out, Morgan. You like Morgan. Love Morgan. Yeah, it's great. Guy is essentially the go-to source for all of your Austin real estate needs. So if you're looking to purchase a home, feel free to talk to Guy. He's, he is the man. The guy's the guy. He also runs multiple businesses. The 
car leasing business that he sells to developers in Austin, where let's just say an apartment building has a garage that's connected to it. And uh, he has an app that can lease cars to those people that live in that building that don't own cars. It's kind of a cool concept. He also invests and owns in multiple trailer parks and RV homes. Uh, apparently that business is exploding and doing very, very well. Uh, why don't we give a shout out to Nick Svensson? He's been on the pod a couple of times. Yeah. What do you think about Nick? What a character. Nick always keeps it interesting. Whenever he comes on the podcast, those are good listens. He's He's got a lot of fun stories. He does. Yeah. yeah. Nick from Santa Barbara. He's just uh, probably the um, the most successful, interesting guy that you, you'll ever meet in the real estate industry. And he's got some big name clients out there as well. I also loved the Adam Pior. Adam Pior is actually, uh, uh, he wrote a great book, The Kings of New York. It was published by The Real Deal. That episode was an interesting Interesting one to talk about, particularly because of the history of New York City and the depth of history there is of the characters that brought uh, New York City on the map as far as, you know, the real estate world is concerned in terms of development. So we talk about Harry Markwell, we talk about Ken Sway, we talk about all the major players that brought the skyline into Manhattan, Billionaire's Row. So that's a great read. If you haven't read that book, I highly encourage it. I mean, I, I feel so bad leaving out a lot of these guys' names that I have been on, but I want to... And with two more. Special shout out to Bob Knackle. What is one or two things you've learned from Bob? It was interesting to like see how he initially got in the business and grew to where he is today, selling his uh, old commercial company that he had and, and moving on. And he's just a legend. So Yeah. My favorite story for Bob was how he sold to Harry Mackelow, who we just talked about with Adam Pior, the real the kings of New York. Harry Mackelow is a major developer in the city. He got Harry to put in an offer on a lot of two or three townhomes on 59th and 3rd Avenue on a Friday, got the sellers to accept it under the contingency that the sellers were going to sign the deal. It was like $90 million by that following Monday or Tuesday when there were other bidders involved. Only a legend. And right now that is a building called 259th Street. So shout out Bob Knackle. Uh, my other favorite episode, well, I think there's so many, but, uh, the other favorite episode, most recent episode, was David Lombino. David Lombino is the managing director for Two Trees Development, the company that is essentially responsible for developing most of the waterfront of where what we call core Brooklyn or uh, most of the places that we sell in Brooklyn today. That would be Dumbo and Williamsburg. Do you have one or two things that you liked about meeting with David? That was cool. I mean, I'd never you know spoken to anyone on that side of the industry before. It's cool to see what upcoming projects they have going on in, in Brooklyn and talk about like the Domino Park area. Yeah. David's perception is interesting primarily for one or two reasons. One, he he believes in affordable housing and they're a forefront of building affordable housing with market rate developments. And the affordable housing is really contingent upon Domino Park finishing what would be the River Ring. The River Ring is a new project in Williamsburg right on North 3rd Street, that's supposed to bring tremendous economic impact into the neighborhood. But obviously from the political standpoint, he can't do anything until they resolve the issue of affordable housing and can they get the appropriate tax benefits to make it make sense. Obviously with affordable housing, they can't maximize their revenues. So how do they make the project work financially is through tax credits. And they're able to, if they're able to pull this river ring off, uh, by getting the allocation of appropriate affordable housing units to come on the market, I think that would be a humongous feat. So 
I uh, really enjoyed David. If you haven't listened to it, that's episode 89. And that kind of wraps it up. Guys, I really don't want to skip over all these other incredible guests that we've had. Jason Advocate, uh, the divorce lawyer, and Buckbinder, the founder of Orlando. Jordan Sachs, the founder of Bull, the, the mathematical development genius of New York City real estate. My good friend Joe Fox, who is the operator and manager of several multifamily units throughout Midtown and downtown Manhattan. Elizabeth Strimbling, who essentially got got the first uh, assignment to sell the plaza, the condominium side in New York City. Courtney Roden and uh, Eagle Nine Title Policy over at Title Vest. One of the founding agents of Jackson Hole, Colby Murphy. Our friend Jason Saft, the wonderful interior designer, the brilliant interior designer. Some of the people on my team that are not at Compass, like Dylan Pachulik of Excel Property Management, he manages hundreds of millions of dollars worth of property for offshore investors in New York City. My friends, Mark and Scott, baby Frank, Frank Suriano. <laughs> oh man, uh, Jay-Z, the man, the myth, the legend from none other than Dallas, Fort Worth. Our friend in Hawaii, Daisuke Kaido, uh, one of the founders, and also he's a developer himself, Johnny Chapel of North Carolina, Raleigh in the Triangle, North Carolina. Just phenomenal guests guess we have to wrap it up here. There's just so many people that I want to shout out. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the followers. I really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to bring in some more exciting guests in 2024.